Welcome to Pathway to Faith Podcast, the media ministry of Harvest Church International Outreach, where we elevate and nurture families through the Word of God. We are so glad that you are here and believe that God will change your life through today's message. Let's listen. And so tonight, I'm going to minister on doctrine. I'm going to minister, I'm going to teach I'm going to teach on doctrine, sound doctrine, so you'll no longer be afraid of anybody who's in some kind of wayward religion. Nobody will be able to come up into your company and get you off of your faith in Christ because you will be rested, rooted, and grounded in sound doctrine. Can somebody say amen? Well, you may be seated. This is midweek service. I don't... Uh, endeavor to keep you any longer than necessary because I appreciate those of you who bring your children to church. Uh, it'll pay great dividends, believe me. Uh, it, it will pay great dividends in, in their lives. So to the video department, let's put our hands together and give our video department a great big God bless you at the beginning of the year who make all of these broadcasts and come on, give the sound people something. They're not back there talking. They're back there praying, trying to hear from God, you know, to make my voice sound the right way. Praise the Lord. So grateful, so thankful. You may be seated. First nugget, please, so that we can get started. Ready? Read. There's a lot of false teaching out there. A lot of false teaching. As a matter of fact, by and large, today I don't watch what they call Christian television. Um, I used to watch it, but man, you can be so, if you're not anchored in the word, you could be majorly confused by the end of the day because the stuff they're saying and you don't know in the Bible, that's not Bible. Uh, you can really get off in a hurry. Nugget number two, please. Ready? Read. Say it again, and I'll explain all this a little later. Itching ears soon become deaf ears, which just simply means the day is not coming. The day is here where you're going to encounter people who used to walk with God. Even the church used to walk with God together. And when you try to talk about the things of God, they're going to give you a cold shoulder. Like you still believe that stuff? You, you still going to Harvest Church? Are you still doing that? As though what you're doing now is obsolete, outdated, and uh, not up to the culture. Nugget number three, please. Say it again. Say it one more time. Doctrine means what? Doctrine in its full essence just simply means teaching. So don't get off base when somebody go to talking about doctrine as though they're theologically, you know, way out in the deep waters. Doctrine just simply means teaching. Nugget number what? Number four, please. Ready? Read. So doctrine means teaching. And doctrine, come on, 
always leads to action. Oh, I like that. Nugget number five. Say it again. Now, I, I know I'm being a little bit repetitious, but you'll be amazed of how many confessing Christians don't even know that truth. They don't even know what doctrine is. And I don't want you walking around ignorant when somebody's full of cultic ideas that you encounter and they get you off of the faith. Read it again. Doctrine is the arrangement of biblical truths. Doctrine is the arrangement of biblical truth, not something some man has thought of. God has not required you to come to this ministry every Wednesday, those of you who are tuning in around the world, for me to give you my opinion. My opinion will not put the devil on the run in your life. <laughs> but the word of God will drive him far away from you. Can somebody say amen? amen? Nugget number six. Doctrine, come on. So if the doctrine does not rest upon biblical truth, come on class, then it is false doctrine. I don't care what anybody says, including your pastor. If what I'm saying does not rest on the Bible, then that what is being taught or said is false doctrine. Are you listening to me? Oh, Jesus. Nugget number seven. Would that be enough for today? Nugget number seven. That's all it is. Now let's get busy. Let's go to 2 Timothy. Second Timothy. Chapter 4. And I'm going to read a few verses. Everybody's there? 2 Timothy, chapter 4. Everybody's there? You're there? Okay. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2. Preach the word, Pastor Steve Howe. Not your feelings, not your emotions, not the culture. Not what's popular. Not what makes the people happy. Not what makes the people dance. Not what gets the people emotional. But preach the word. And be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort. With all long suffering and teaching. Here we go. For the time, come on, help me on this verse. For the time will come. Let's say it again. For the time will come when they will not endure 
sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers or preachers or pastors. They'll vote them in or vote them out. And you're not going to be the pastor of this church if you keep preaching certain things in the Bible that make me uncomfortable. Now, I'll give what I want to and when I want to. And I don't need all that teaching up in here on how to give, about sowing and reaping. You done said enough this year already. And this is just the third day in January about this tithing stuff. Ooh, Jesus. That's, that's, I add a little bit to the verse. For the time will come that they will not endure sound doctrine, but according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap upon themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth. And be turned aside to fables that come to church for entertainment. But you, Paul talking to this young pastor, Steve Howe, but you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. So it's clear here in chapter 4 that Paul is dealing with doctrine because uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3, and we don't have time to go there, but during your study time, Paul deals extensively with apostasy that will come into the church, which in turn is going to create, which has already happened, a great falling away. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. We'll leave that alone. Thank you, Holy Ghost. So Paul warns the church at Ephesus that false teachers, leaders would enter into the church after he dies. That's why I'm endeavoring to anchor you. If the Lord tarries and I transition, I don't want somebody to dawn behind this sacred pulpit and teach you something that is off base from the word of God. I want you anchored that when you're at home watching what you call a Christian television channel, when the preacher or whoever it is is speaking, prophet or false prophet or whoever they say they are, when they say something that is wrong, that something will go off in your spirit to let you know that what they just said and what you just heard, you need to reject it. Because it's false doctrine. Can somebody say amen? Now let's go to Acts chapter 20. Acts chapter 20. And let's look at verse 29. To clear what I said about Apostle Paul. Verse 29. Look on the screen. For I know this, that after my departure, talking about his death, Savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. 
also from among yourselves, men will rise up and say things to you in the hallway that doesn't agree with your pastor. You, come on, church. If you don't agree, G-O. Come on. Nobody put a gun to your head and made you come? Why would you sit up in a place that you don't agree? Which makes you phony and a hypocrite. It opens the door for the devil to use you. The chew on the flock that God has given me oversight. Which is very, very dangerous. It is so dangerous if you call somebody to stumble. You want to go, go. But don't take other people off the side of the cliff with you. Ooh, Jesus. Boy, was that good? I mean, if you don't agree, you don't have to get in my face and smile. Just go. And if you got better revelation than I do, there's open to, they're leasing buildings all over the city. And find out how difficult it is. Because even the people who agree with you, once you get started, you're going to find trouble. Because it won't be long. Leave it alone, preacher. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples unto themselves. Is, is this good? Now, your first nugget said, the antidote for false teaching is the word of God. And then I share with you that Apostle Paul speaks extensively in 2 Timothy chapter, chapter 3, where he deals with apostasy. And apostasy is simply defection. For you military people, apostasy is meaning that you've gone AWOL. And for you religious folk, apostasy simply means that you have departed from the faith. You used to believe in God and walk with God and had certain things that you were committed to about the things of God. And now you don't have anything to do with God at all. You're even questioning the validity of the word of God. You're even questioning whether Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. You're, you're starting to doubt your faith and the principles that you were anchored on. You are starting to embrace the philosophy of the culture, that there are a lot of ways to God because you got all these false prophets and prophetess that's telling the world there are a lot of ways to God, but that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says that there is only one way, not two, not three. And the world will hate you for saying that. Because when you say that, you cancel Buddha, you cancel Muhammad, you cancel Joseph Smith, you cancel Mormonism, you cancel Jehovah Witness, you cancel all kind of mysticism because you're saying the only way to the Father is through Jesus Christ the Son and all false doctrine, all cults believe that Jesus was a good person, that he was a good prophet, and he was all of those, but he was also the Son of God. He was God manifested in the flesh. 
and it was his blood that was shed for the world that we have access to heaven because of the finished work of Christ. Somebody ought to say So you're not a cult. You're not even a church because of you what you uh, because you say you're a church or you say you're a cult. You are a cult or a church predicated on what you do with Jesus. No man can say Jesus Christ is the son of God unless it's by an unction of the Holy Ghost. If you believe in Jesus, that he's the savior of the world, then that cancels you from being involved in any kind of a cult. Because in a cult, the leader wants to be worshiped. And I'm never going to let you put me on a pedestal because there's only a two by two. That means any of you can push me off. So I decided 30 some years ago, I'm not getting on. So I've never stood up here and tried to present myself like I'm God. I've always endeavored to try to point you to God because just like you need him, I need him too. Just like he's your savior, he's my savior too. Just like he's the bishop of your soul, He's the bishop of my soul. Just like he's your healer, he's my healer. Just like he's your deliverer, he's my deliverer. Just like he's your way maker, he's my way maker. Good God of mercy. So again, in 2 Timothy chapter 4, Paul gives us instructions for the last days. And when I say last days, this is scary because Paul is giving instructions for the last days to this young pastor, his son in the, in the gospel, Timothy. And Paul is giving Timothy instructions for the last days. And I thought, if he's giving instructions to Timothy, for the last days, then what day are we in? Ooh, Jesus. Now, now let's 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 look again. Let's let's look again at this same chapter and let's back up to uh, in second second Timothy chapter four. Let's look at this one more time. And let's look at uh, verse number three again. And this time, uh, I'm going to read it uh, in the Amplified. It says in the Amplified, verse three, people will not tolerate, endure, sound, and wholesome instructions. You know today people get mad at you for telling them the truth and run all, the, run all over the country trying to find somebody to agree what they're saying that is a lie. Can somebody say amen? So we're living in the last days where Paul said they want religious entertainment. 
that will tickle their ears. They want music. If you're not careful, I'm going to mess with it now. But we're living in a day and a time, come on, say amen, it's the truth, where you don't almost know church music. I mean, there are things we're doing in church today. A few years ago, you couldn't have gotten away with it. Because if the world has got flicking lights, You don't know if you're in church or a discotheque. Sometimes you can't see the preacher. Ain't no such kind of glory. That's that's a fog machine. Come on now. With flicking lights and music that will bust your eardrums. It sounds just like the world. And our music in the church has become, you don't need save anointed musicians. You just need to go in the world and get a good one because it all sounds the same. Can you all handle this? Can you handle this? If Jesus came to our church service, he wouldn't know what we were doing. If Jesus came to our church service and saw them up there, he'd have to ask, what are they doing? (laughs) Because most of the stuff we do, Jesus didn't initiate it. Oh my God, you have to see your faces. But if we removed everything that God didn't call for, you wouldn't think you were in church. Just come to church, no music, nobody up here trying to lead a praise and worship song to get you pumped up, and let me come out of the back every Wednesday, every Sunday, no music department. You're the music department. And see how long we last. But so how was Jesus? How was Paul? How were they so effective in ministry with all of the additives that we have? We can't preach until the song's been sung. We can't teach until the atmosphere's right. Well, you're supposed to be anointed enough to make it right if it's wrong. See, see, no, no, no. When I said you, see, you thought about me. You. That's the problem now. You're putting all the pressure on the pastor and you're killing them. And the lack of your joy, the lack of your victory, the lack of your happiness, you're blaming it on him. God didn't say the pastor make a joyful noise. He told you. So you're killing these preachers because they're supposed to shout you out and dance you out of whatever depression you've been in all day because you haven't prayed. <laughs> 
because you haven't sung a song and made melody in your heart as unto the Lord. And so because you're not doing the word of God, the devil is having his way in your life and in your family. So they want religious entertainment. They have itching ears, and I said with you in nugget number two that itching ears soon become deaf ears. Itching ears soon become deaf ears. Let, let me help you now. The condition of the church today, it's not an accident. And these are the last days. We're in the last of the last days. And I know I may get some calls from preachers listening to me all around the world. They take my messages and, you know, they do what they do with it and they regurgitate it in their congregation. I have no problem with that. But as I have traveled around the world, man, the American church is probably the most backslidden church in the world. And that's the truth. You don't want to go to another country, particularly a third world country, praise and worship on a Sunday morning. You think we stand? You, you think our praise and worship is long, 15 minutes or 20? Try an hour. And the thing that's so amazing, some of the people in the place is packed and they walk for hours to church in the rain, some in the mud with no shoes on, walk for miles in the hot sun to the house of God. You think when God see that, he's not going to meet those people when they gather together? You don't walk for miles in the hot sun to go to church to play? And we will lead a church if it gets too hot. Sitting in the church complaining. Boy, it's hot in here. How come they don't turn the air conditioner? We would turn it on if you pay your tithe. Because your complainers are always the one who don't support you. Ooh, Jesus. So what is doctrine? I'm glad you asked. Go to, to the last book of Moses. You're going to understand this. I would not have you ignorant, brethren. You need to understand what is sound doctrine. Are you in Deuteronomy chapter 32? Let's look at verse 1 and 2. Deuteronomy. This is, this is good teaching. What is, what is doctrine? Deuteronomy 32, look at verse 1. Give ear, O heavens, and I will speak. And hear, O earth, the words of my mouth. Verse 2. Let my, let my what? Teaching is just doctrine. Let my doctrine, let my doctrine 
drop as the rain, my speech distill as the dew, as raindrops on the tender herbs, as the showers on the grass. Oh, hear, O oh earth, the words of my mouth. Let my teachings, let my doctrine, let my doctrine drop as the rain. Are you understanding this? Moses, Moses was teaching the people who had come out of hundreds of years of slavery and they didn't know which way to go and now he's anchoring them in doctrine. I wish I had time to really talk with you about, about, about what he had to teach them about doctrine because when they came initially out of, ah, leave that alone. Look at verse number three. For I proclaim the name of the Lord. Is that what it says? Ascribe greatness to our God. Ascribe greatness to our God. He's talking about doctrine. Now, let's go over to Proverbs. Let's tie this together. Proverbs chapter 4. Now, I'm going to say something in a minute that may rock your theology because we always talk about him as perhaps the smartest man and one of the wealthiest men in all of the Bible that's ever existed on the world, Solomon. But look at Proverbs chapter 4. You there? Proverbs chapter 4, look at verse number 1. Ready? Read. Verse number 2. Verse number two. Verse number two. Now, now, Solomon, oh, look at verse three. I'm getting ahead of myself. Look at verse three. When I was my father's son. That's strange language. When I was my father's son, and, and Solomon's father was David, King David, yes? When I was my father's son, tender, and the only one in the sight of my mother. Now, we don't have time for this, but, but Solomon is saying, he is saying, Give attention to the instructions of your father. And he says, when I was my father's son, I believe, you don't have to take this, I believe because Solomon was pretty much raised up in the palace of women with his mother, that by and large, Solomon's raising was by his mother. And as I study certain commentaries and counsel, perhaps you're going, how can I say it right? I believe David had a problem with Solomon.
I believe he had a problem. One is because even though he was a mighty warrior and a king, I think David wasn't a real good father. And he left a lot of the responsibility of the the development of his son to his mama. And boys are shaped a little different when the mama is the major influence. (laughs) So I believe the challenge with Solomon was that he was soft. Because mothers are nurturers. And if she's not careful, she nurtures all the fire out of her son. If I was bold, I would say this, but I'm not bold enough. I would say he was probably a little sissified. Because all of his major influence was women. That's why you have to always watch your little boy, your son, when they always gravitate playing with girls. Let me come on this side. Because it can lead to other things. And so, I, ooh, can I go with it? I believe that Solomon had some unresolved issues with women because of the lack of of participation from his father. And as fathers, we have to be careful when we deal with our sons and our daughters that the only time we'll deal with them is when we're given instructions or correction. They didn't hear that. You have to be careful as a father that the only time you interact with your children is when you're giving instructions or correction and no encouragement or nurturing because your son your daughter even can grow up with a lack of sensitivity are you all listening to me so I believe with the absence of David being in the life of his son he says a whole lot in this chapter about instructions and wisdom. And it sounds like his daddy was always giving him instructions and wisdom. But it's clear he didn't nurture him and play ball with him and show him how to dribble and show him how to be a man and show him how to use the restroom and show him how to clean himself and show him how to deal with tough situations and show him and to show him how to fight. And to show him how to not quit. So a lot of insight that he got, he got it from women. And some of the sharpest men on the planet today are men who, by and large, were around women. Boy, the women got quiet on me. So I said, I really believe he has some unresolved issues. Why, preacher? Because notice when he grew up, he, he, he accumulated 700 wives, 300 concubines. Now don't look at me with that tone of voice. The brother got issues. Any man who won a thousand women. 
They don't want to believe me, Jesus. And the sad thing about it is that Solomon, even though he was so blessed, he got way off from the things of God. And the Bible says he got off because of the wives that he had. You can marry the wrong person and jack up your purpose and destiny. Ooh, Jesus. Ooh, Jesus. Mm-hmm. I'll say that for the men's conference. Ooh, God. Yeah, I'll leave that alone. So let's go to Titus as I try to wrap this up and win the favor of the congregation again. Because I know I said something you've never heard, and I know some of you are going to go home and dig. Go on home and dig. If you come up with something different, we'll talk about it. I'm open. But I, but I think Solomon, with all of his wisdom and all of the accumulation of wealth that he was able to do, all the insight that he had, uh, pretty much he got that from his mother. He just had a sensitivity that, uh, and a lot of things that he learned, he learned it from his mama and not his daddy. And it caused him to have certain issues, certain, certain problems. Mm-hmm. And we see it today. Children raised up in a home with a weak father. Come on, say amen so nobody will know. But we see it today, homes, where the father's weak. When I say weak, he's weaker than her. And we see the effects that it have on the children. Come on, say amen, I'm speaking true. And, and I'm not saying in all cases it produces a homosexual like somebody, but almost, almost 100% it produces a weak male. Almost 100%. When a little boy grows up witnessing and seeing every day his mama bossing his daddy around. And many times he'll grow up, even the daughter will grow up angry. And what you men have to understand, your son being angry is not strength. Angry is not strength. Because you're angry at the world, kicking over tables and busting walls and turning over tables because you're mad and angry. That's not strength. You're angry. You're angry because there was something you needed in the formative years that you didn't receive. And it has released a perverted, uh, a per- a perverted action and sometimes reaction to the things of life. Can, can somebody say amen? Yeah, I'm, some of you are a little weak on it, but, 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 but I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking truth. I'm speaking truth. And that's why Satan works overtime to try to remove a man, his father, from the home. Not only does the son need him, his daughter does too. There's a whole lot of girls that would have never been caught in, in, in having babies out of wedlock if they'd have had a daddy there to protect her to drive off that wolf, to drive off that slickster who came in and they, the father would have known that Negro. I mean, he, he, don't mean, he don't mean you no good. I start saying Negro. Don't mean no good. Because when a man is up to no good, he don't want to deal with another man. 
That's why he'll always tell you, if you got a father, I'll meet you somewhere. Mm-hmm. No, no, we ain't going to meet nowhere. We're going to meet in my house. We're going to meet my daddy. Before my heart get all tied up with you, I want my daddy to judge you to tell me whether you're a truthful teller or a liar. Because my daddy will know. And if my daddy tell me to leave you alone as much as I want to be with you, you got to go. Save your daughter. Come on, say amen, ladies. Don't let me feel like I'm by myself. Again, Apostle Paul, he writes to a young pastor, Titus. And Titus was a Gentile who had the gift of administration. Go to Titus chapter 2. Titus chapter 2 and look at verse number 1. Now, I love Titus. I mean, Timothy, we all know he was special in the heart of Apostle Paul. But Timothy, I mean, Titus was a little stronger than Timothy. Whenever there was a real challenge in the church, Paul would always send Titus because Titus didn't take no stuff. If the church was out of order, Titus would get instruction from Apostle Paul and he'd go in and clean it up. And part of the reason he was able to clean it up as well is that he had the gift of administration. He was a good organizer. Pastor Titus, look at verse 1. Is this helping anybody at all? But as for you, speak the things which are proper. He's talking to this young pastor. Which are proper for what? For for what? So Paul is saying, if you're going to be a minister, then your authority ought to be the word of God. Now, I'm not saying any preacher, any person has to believe the word of God because God has given us all the right to choose. You don't have to believe the word of God if you don't want to. But if you don't believe the word of God, then you don't have a right to stand behind this pulpit. Don't predicate, do it right, because it's the truth. Whatever you call yourself, you don't have to believe the Bible if you don't want to believe it. But if you don't believe it, don't stand behind the pulpit calling yourself a man or a woman of God, saying things to the people that you don't believe because you don't qualify and tell them what I said. So again, the Greek word for doctrine is D-I-D-A-S-K-A-L-I-A. Now, I could attack the word, but if whatever I say, somebody say, that's not it, so you say it. D-I-D-A-S-K-A-L-I-A. That's the Greek word for doctrine. And doctrine just simply means what? Teaching. Doctrine simply means what? Teaching. And so you want doctrine, but you also want sound doctrine. You don't want false doctrine. You want sound doctrine. Let me help you with sound doctrine. Sound doctrine, look up here. This is... Sound doctrine. You got your Bible, your iPhone? Hold it up. Yeah, if you got your Bible on it. That's sound doctrine. So if any preacher, and I said any, including me, 
that come and minister and teach something to you that don't rest on this truth, then you're not to receive it because that is not sound doctrine. Are you listening to me? You can't live like the devil and think you're going to heaven. That's not sound doctrine. That's why the church in some cases have gone too far with this grace message. As though you can do anything and say anything and grace covers it. If you can do anything and say anything, you don't need grace. You need to get saved. You need to get saved. You need to get born again. Because if you're really, truly born again, there are some things you cannot do with a good conscience. Are you listening to me? And I'm not sitting there saying there's some things I haven't done. I have done them, and I was sorry. Tears rolling down my cheeks. Why? Because I knew what i just done. It was wrong. I knew it violated the Word of God. And my conscience was, was checked because I shouldn't be doing that. I shouldn't be saying that. Yes, what I did was wrong, but I want to thank God that he still had his hand on my life, that I had a repentant heart on what I was doing, that I was sorry, and I made a commitment. I don't want to do that anymore. Why? Because I'm saved. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Well, let's, let's, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Go to 2 uh, John 9. With no amplification, perhaps. Second John 9. Anybody want to know the chapter? Second John 9. Are you there? Look at this. This is so powerful. Whoever transgresses and, and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ does not have God. He who abides Jesus in the what? In the what? In the teachings of Christ. Doctrine is teaching. Teaching is the doctrine. But is the teaching of Christ has both abides in the doctrine of Christ have both the Father is, is this good or not? Acts 2.42. You study these things out in your own study time. I'm just giving you some tracks to run on for 2.24. 2.42. And they continued. Who did? The church. The church was growing like wildfire. And the Bible says, and they continued. How did they continue? Steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. In whose doctrine? The apostles' doctrine. And fellowship in the breaking of bread and in prayer. In other words, the church was growing and they stayed true to the teachings of the apostles. They didn't go off and get some other strange teaching that was contrary to what their pastor was teaching. And that kept them safe. 
you stay safe when you stay committed to what I'm teaching. Your guard is whatever I'm teaching, you check it, study it, guard it, nurture it, meditate on it, eat on it, feed on it to make sure that what I'm teaching is in the Bible. So that I or no man or woman who call themselves a man or woman of God can lead you away from sound doctrine. Ooh, Jesus. I know some preachers wouldn't say that, but I will. Because if I charge you to check me, you'll check everybody else. Ooh, God. John 7, 17. I got two more verses and we're done. John 7, 17. I got five minutes. John 7, 17. John 7, verse 17. Because doctrine always leads to actions. Look at verse 17. If anyone wills to do his will, he shall know concerning the what? whether it is from God or whether I speak of my own authority. Sound doctrine will always line up with the word of God. Is this good? Now, let's close out on this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, and if the video department would put it up in the Amplified, I would, I would greatly appreciate it. 2 Timothy chapter 3. And let's look at verse number 16. Let me read it in my um, uh, New King James. All scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instructions in righteousness. Listen to it in the Amplified. Ready? Let's read. Not listen, but read. Ready? Read. Yes, he was. Yes, he did. Now, he's got up first, Timothy. I asked for second, Timothy. Show some love. Second Timothy, chapter 3, verse 16, in the Amplified. Anybody got their Amplified close by? There, there we go. It's closer than you know. Look at that. Ready? Read. In what? In what? Go ahead. Wow. Wow. 
All scripture is given by inspiration of God. 39 Old Testament books, 27 New Testament books, a total of 66 books written over 1,500 years to write all of those books. Many of the authors, most of the authors, didn't even know each other, didn't even live at the same time. But all of the authors of the Bible, 40 perhaps different authors, is a whole culmination of what we call the Holy Writ or the canons of Scripture. Tell me where in the world can you get people for over 1,500 years to get four, 40 different authors who don't even know each other and all of them write something and it all coincides with no contradiction. It has to be God-breathed. It has to be God-breathed. And so if you have made a decision to govern your life, to live your life, to raise your family, to guide your family with the holy canons of Scripture, then you are guaranteed, according to the Word of God, because you are governing your life on sound doctrine, so that when you hear or you are around any other doctrine that is not sound, then you'll know that you need to reject that doctrine. Are you all listening to me? That's why the word of God says study. To show yourself approved. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed. So that not just the pastor, but so that you can rightly divide the word of truth. Because there's a lot of strange fire out there and it's going to get stranger. Are you listening to me? And you're going to see miracles and certain signs and certain wonders, but they're all going to be a lie unless you know about sound doctrine. Are you listening to me? I said, are you listening to me? Many of you grew up watching television of, of Moses where Moses came out and laid his stick in front of the Pharaoh. You all remember that? What happened to the stick? Talk to me. It turned into a snake. Was Pharaoh amazed? Was he impressed? And what did Pharaoh do? I said, what did Pharaoh do? He called his witches, his warlocks. He called his his ministers of witchcraft. And they came out, several of them. And what did they do? They threw their rod down, talk to me. And what happened? So you can't be impressed just because you see a miracle. You need to know what is the source of it. Because the devil can work lying wonders. 
God's man threw his rod down, it turned into a snake. The devil works for us through their stick down, and it turned into a snake. But God's power is always more powerful than the devil, and the snake, the rod that turned into a snake from God swallowed up all of the, the devil worshipers, uh, their wares. But you can't swallow it up unless you know. Said so you can't swallow it up unless you know. You don't have to be afraid of the devil. And nobody can vex you or hex you when you know who you are. You kill yourself trying to curse me. Because whatever you aim at me, it'll bounce off me and come back and hit you. The sad part about sometimes it don't bounce off me and hit you, it bounce off me and hit your children. Because you can't curse what God's blessed. And you ought to get excited about that because you are blessed. Come on, stand to your feet and tell three people you are blessed. You are blessed. Amen. Somebody may not know that, but let them know you are blessed. And you can't curse what God has blessed. Hallelujah. Can I see your hands tonight if you're saved? You love the Lord. If you don't hear anything that I've said tonight, then hear this. I charge you as the pastor, the overseer of this ministry, I charge you and all of us from the pulpit to the door and the music department as well, every sound person, every deacon, every usher, every greeter, every member of Harvest Church, every future member, every guest, I charge you in these last days to commit your life to holy living, to holy living, so that if trouble comes, you don't have to run to the prayer room. If trouble comes, you can stand bold right there and speak to it and command it to be removed and be far from you because you're walking in a way that is pleasing to God. Can somebody say amen? Thank you for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who give generously and make this ministry outreach possible. Click the link in the description to give now or visit hcio.org slash podcast for more information. Be sure to subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. Even tag us on social media at Harvest Church KC. Thanks again for listening.